It has been said that anything can happen here in the World Wrestling Federation, but now more than ever, truer words have never been spoken. This is a conscious effort on our part to open the creative envelope, so to speak, in order to entertain you in a more contemporary manner. Even though we call ourselves sports entertainment because of the athleticism involved, the key word in that phrase is entertainment. The WWF extends far beyond the strict confines of sports presentation into the wide-open environment of broad-based entertainment. We borrow from such program niches like soap operas, like the days of our lives, or music videos such as those on MTV, daytime talk shows like Jerry Springer and others, cartoons like the King of the Hill on Fox, sitcoms like Seinfeld, and other widely accepted forms of television entertainment. We in the WWF think that you, the audience, are quite frankly tired of having your intelligence insulted. Therefore, we've embarked upon a far more innovative and contemporary creative campaign it is far more invigorating and extemporaneous than ever before. Excuse me, but aren't these just buzzwords that dumb people use to sound important? Not that I'm accusing you of anything like that. I'm fired, aren't I? Let me tell you something! Let me tell you something. 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 Let me Greetings, Grapple fans. It's time once again for another dose of high-energy, high-octane debate about the crazy goings-on of the squared circle as two generations, the young lion and the wizened veteran, battle it out with their words and their skills with flow and prose and precision of their insults, try to make their point as to who dominates in the world of squared circle entertainment. Yes, it's another episode of Let Me Tell You Something. I'm your co-host, Lorcan Mullen, and with me as always is the Hercules to my Paul Roma, the Eddie Guerrero to my Love Machine Art Bar, the Squat Team Member 1 to my Squat Team Member 2, Simon Cross. Simon, how you doing, mate? I'm doing good. Uh, as once again, fantastic introduction, just top notch. You seem to try and top yourself every year. You, you are Mr. Introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to be known as that with the ladies. You're, you're known for your introductions, yes. Not for anything <laughs> afterwards. No, not at all. The term flash in the pan's never been more appropriate. I'm like the first <laughs> teaser trailer to a Zack Snyder film. Starts off positive, but then by the end you're bitterly disappointed. It's like every Transformers trailer. Look at all of the things! No, this is it. This is all the things we have. Yes. We Don't go expecting a story. <laughs> don't go expecting compelling characters don't even go expecting to be entertained being entertained is what we're talking about today do you like the segue i'm doing there simon seamless it's seamless. the one show level quality <laughs> because we are going to debate something that is fundamentally down to the core of the philosophy of professional wrestling when we are going to debate right now what is sports entertainment 
So I'm going to throw the ball up in the air and I'm going to overhand serve it to you, Simon, and you're going to have to hit back immediately. What to you is sports entertainment? I think the best place to start with what is sports entertainment to me is the way is to talk about the way that phrase is used uh, somewhat disparagingly by some when they uh, apply it to the world of professional wrestling. I mean, uh, sports entertainment is just what Vince McMahon calls it now. We've seen it on the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast recently. And he said that pro wrestling is what my dad did. And the famous quote when Ted Turner thrown him, I'm in the wrestling business. Well, we're in different businesses then. I'm in the sports entertainment business. We, on a whole, uh, see it as a distraction from the core products we as, I guess, well, we are smarks. So Mm -hmm. we see it as a distraction from the core products we tune in for. However, it's when it's used well, it's an effective way of bringing casuals into the product and bringing in an audience that's a straight Ring of Honor, I guess, style of wrestling doesn't. Mm. That's not a knock of Ring of Honor at all. It's just they're not really sports entertainment, are they? No. What's interesting, actually, the way you mentioned that, is um, I think Vince McMahon saw you and your generation as his first perfect specimens. Because you became a fan of wrestling in 2002. And at that moment in time, it seemed that Vince McMahon owned Western ideas of professional wrestling. Do you get where I'm coming from there? Because he killed WCW. The... The biggest opponent of his that was in the wrestling business. God, our southern accents are awful, but yeah. Um, at that killed, point, um, ECW, which was point, another vision of what he, professional wrestling could be. He yes, had won the war, and I don't think anyone's turned up since then that Vince Caesar's arrival to him on TV with his vision of entertainment. He does, he's never seen TNA as competition. He's never seen Ring of Honor as competition. I don't know uh, if he's ever actually seen TNA, full he's, stop. He's probably never seen TNA. He will certainly have never seen Ring of Honor. And you have never seen WCW and ECW in their original forms. I have never seen... You saw the bastardised seen... version of ECW, which mm. is something we might want to get into when we're discussing the vision of sports entertainment. Um... <laughs> But do you think, therefore, that sports entertainment is only Vince McMahon's interpretation of professional wrestling? Or do you think it's more just a catch-all definition of the genre? Because I, I'm going I'm to play a bit of devil's advocate here to you before I throw this back to you. If someone asks you to define what genre professional wrestling is in, like Game of Thrones is in fantasy, or Star Trek science fiction, Friday the 13th is horror, professional wrestling, what is it? If it's not professional wrestling, what is it? Okay. And the We're notion not... of sports entertainment is actually a pretty good catch-all phrase for what you can argue mm. this form of entertainment is. Because art form is. In many ways, in terms of their acting, A level and B, the backstage vignettes, you're not getting Game of Thrones or Mad Men level depths of storyline. But you get the kind of transferable stuff, very... Towie or Geordie Shaw-esque levels of stuff where you can see through it but it's there for a reason otherwise there would be no real flow to it it's the same reason that wrestling is a work Mm. and that's why sometimes UFC fights are awful to watch for a casual point of view you have to be a technical 
demon to want to watch that. Yeah. That, I think, is one of the reasons why it's definitely got the entertainment part of it attached to it. Because, and it is sports entertainment. It is. You will concede that professional wrestling falls under the umbrella of sports entertainment. It does overlap on the Venn diagram. It's both sports and it's both entertainment. And the circles, there is quite a big section in the middle. Now, let's also ask a question. What are other examples of sports entertainment? There's one that comes to my mind, which is Gladiators. I was going to say Gladiators. Mm. I was just about to say that. When you... And so as an I interesting think... point, when they most recently tried to resurrect it in the UK... Uh, several of the stars of Gladiators were professional wrestlers. I think Mason Ryan was in it. Uh, Nick Aldis, a.k.a. Magnus in TNA, was also involved in Gladiators. I think another one was. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think one of the female Gladiators is doing well on the indie scene in the Mm. UK. And uh, Gina Carano in America, when a very popular mixed martial arts fighter, she was also in the American mm. Gladiators that was hosted by Hulk Hogan. And uh, Jade Ali as well, so like, best of both worlds. That's, again, them taking a sports entertainment personality and trying to legitimise it a little bit more with Gladiators, because, mm. you know, it's not a work. But the thing about... By, um, oppose, by opposing Jade Ali with him, kind of thing. The thing about Gladiators, though, was... It wasn't predetermined. It was really, uh, if you're taking the Venn diagram of sports and entertainment, maybe with um, with Gladiators, you're also going to add game shows to it. Because that's mm. what it was. It was contestants. And instead of them having to answer questions, they had to answer the riddle that was, how do you run past an 18 stone, 6 foot 5 man carrying a big rubber bat? In his hands, when they had to do the gauntlets, which was one of my favourite Gladiator games. Would you then count, just offsetting another example of sports entertainment, would you count Fort Bayard, for example, or Total Wipeout? I don't know, I think they fall more under, um, that's more like P.E. (laughs) (laughs) Still a sport. (laughs) Or Crystal Maze, is the Crystal Maze sports entertainment. I think think that's uh, that's more game show. I think that's more game show. I think... And and also they're kind of mental tests as well. Um, Gladiators was athleticism. That's what you had to be. You had to be athletic in order to succeed in Gladiators, just as you really have to be athletic in order to succeed in professional wrestling. The people that succeeded in Gladiators were, you know, good uh, athletes or swimmers or joggers. They were those bastards that do triathlons in their off weekend at work. And similarly, professional wrestling, very often the most successful professional wrestlers were American football players, they were collegiate wrestlers. Such as the big cat Ernie Ladd, yeah, sport athlete. Absolutely. Uh, all um, like modern day, they, they constantly are looking to pick up people who just either didn't quite make it in the NFL, were successful college footballers. Or Cena, what, Rock. Yeah, Cena, Rock, uh, Ron Simmons before then. Uh, legend of collegiate football. Um, I think his jersey was retired. That's how good he was. That's slightly diluted more in America than it is over here, but I, I can't I get claim it. I'm a huge fan of American football, but I do love the ESPN 30 for 30 documentaries that you get on Netflix. Mm. And if you want to catch a really good documentary about college uh, football 
which includes a brief snippet of The Rock with his Rocky Maivia era pineapple hairdo. Uh, check out a really good documentary called The U about the infamous Miami University American football team that uh, caused a lot of controversy when they were in their prime in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm. Uh, see, see, we're not just all about professional wrestling. We are ourselves branching into sports entertainment with yes. those recommendations. Now, and here's one for you as well. Did Vince McMahon invent sport entertainment? Oh. I was going to throw this slightly back at you okay, in a way. What I was about to ask you is a lot of people don't know it at the time, but it's looking back, they noticed their first example of seeing sports entertainment rather than what they term to be pro wrestling, what it is still called mm. in many people's eyes is pro wrestling, but when they see something sports entertainment-esque. So what, looking back, was the first incident, where, well, <laughs> first event where you're like, you know what, this isn't professional wrestling, this is sports entertainment, this is his vision, this is what it is now. I mean, you, you you know it in hindsight, really, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I suppose maybe the thing that wasn't wrestling, but it was on WWE, would be when you get those home videos back in the day. Um, on VHS? On VHS, that's how old school we are. Uh, not hipster, old school. Um, <laughs> you would get interludes... And sometimes they would just simply be Sean Mooney sitting amongst that bank of monitors behind him telling you the next match you're going to see. But sometimes it would be Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan out on location going through an amusement park. Or it would be Lord Alfred Hayes trying to put a house together with house up with the bushwhackers providing not really useful help, but help nonetheless. I suppose that's where where it becomes almost variety. It's like, it's trying to be almost like um Saturday evening prime time entertainment, like Noel Edmonds running from item to item in Noel's house party when he's doing Wait Till I Get You Home, he's doing gotchas, he's doing uh, the the um the cash thing where he's uh, in the money box. Do you know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's like, a, it's like another, a variety show at that point. Like... Anton Deck Saturday Night Takeaway. Mm. Very much mm. like that. Yes. Or one of the... Oh, I can't remember which one it is, but one of the lot, National Lottery game shows they do, where they like do house visits. Like, yes. I don't think they do it anymore, but... Yeah. Well, it's variety. It's a variety show. In America, it would be like the Ed Sullivan show, um, or the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, or Johnny Carson, or Jimmy, or Jimmy Fallon. Kimmel. Now... Um, and it's that, and Mick Foley coined it as the three ring circus. That there's the clowns, and there's the acrobats, and there's the lion tamers, and there's the gymnasts. Mm. Um, the WWE pro wrestling is such a singular, unique form of entertainment, and I suppose it's why I've always thought you 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 go through that wall. You go through that wall of understanding. Everyone has to suspend their disbelief. Some people can't take Game of Thrones. I remember a comedian saying, you can never watch Game of Thrones because it takes place in realms. <laughs> he, he can't get into anything that involves realms. And I, for example, I try to be really, really open-minded. I try to enjoy everything. The one, But there are a couple of things I struggle with. I struggle with opera. And I, especially contemporary opera. I can listen to Mozart, but I can't, 
I remember what, trying to watch a, a contemporary opera on BBC Four once, and I just gave up within five minutes. Um, and, and like I really struggled with Les Mis uh, when I watched that at the cinema, and I can't get into ballet. But you need to get through that wall. And I think one of the Crabtree brothers, I think it was one of the Crabtree brothers, it was either them or one of the Dixons on a documentary recently about British wrestling back in the day. He said, with with wrestling, with a sceptic, no answer's good enough. And with a fan, no answer's required. You You just accept it or you don't. I'm experiencing that a lot that a lot in at the moment because my flatmate is around more and more when I'm watching Raw on my Skybox. <laughs> that wasn't a cheap pop for Sky, by the way. You have, the other options are available. However, um, he's there watching the second and third hour kind of thing, and he's already he's he's still criticising some segments. There was one on this. I mean, I don't we don't like dating our shows too much, but there was one on this week SmackDown, which was just like, why is this happening? It was to, that is a p- perfect example of sort of a good angle, but you could see there was a sports entertainment element to it and it really like sticks in my mind at the moment and he he's questioning some things like well and the answers i can give for him just don't work like what's the point in having the tag rope if you don't hold it all the time when you're making tags and you're just there like, like that moment where a wrestling fan's logic just like oh <laughs> which you get but he's starting to come through the wall with some of it because he's liking some of the characters and he's even I mean, we are doing this post-Rumble. He's even slated the, the direction that, of the way that Roman Reigns won as well. So mm. he's starting to already become a little bit smarky as well. Mm. It's weird watching him You're evolve. You're quotes there, Simon. I'm not sure if the... I wonder if those finger quotes are coming through verbally, if people can tell at what moments you were doing finger quotes there. Maybe um, just... that as a competition. Oh, which words has Simon finger quoted? <laughs> it's the tally and people send in whoever gets the closest. <laughs> it's like spot the ball. Yeah. No one ever truly wins. Do you apparently <laughs> no one's won spot the ball in like three or four years. Yeah. There's only like five people still doing it, I suppose. <laughs> it's it's like making barrels. There's yeah. not a lot of people doing it these days. Uh-huh. Real, real shame, real shame. We need our barrels, if for no other reason than to keep away Donkey Kong. <laughs> what do you mean the princess is in another castle? For God's sake! Someone lock her up for her own good. <laughs> Still, when you got, when the Princess Peach must have had a National Trust membership, because yeah. there's no way she could afford it, afford full price entry for all those castles. Yes. I'm not having that. Makes me wonder if maybe they had a reputation for negotiating with terrorists before Mario turned up. <laughs> Look, it's a quick 50 quid. I'll be honest. Her price has gone down over the years. Her market value has plummeted. But, you know, you've got to pay the gas bill. Just grab Princess Peach. So, go on. Prof- like, prof- yes, professional wrestling in sports entertainment. What we've just done is a perfect example of why sports entertainment seems to be expanding Mm. because the attention span of people people don't seem to want to sit down and watch just one thing especially when it's three hours long I'm sorry Simon I stopped listening to you about ten seconds ago (laughs) 
and it's uh, it's on demand as well. It's yeah. like people are like to see different kind of things, and because they've got so many interests now, because so much media is out there. Yeah, that's why he wants to bring other forms of media in to go mm. like connect connect the circles on his Venn diagram. Yeah. He wants bigger overlap. Yeah, he, like, he's got the wrestling fan in the middle, and he wants bigger sections of other people coming yeah. in. It's true. It's true. You can kind of understand where he's coming from. I mean, if Game of Thrones was three hours every week, every week, they'd have to pad it out with some other stuff. Do you reckon George R. R. Martin actually asked for that? You can't have three hours of what Game of Thrones is giving you every week, except if it's boobs, then I I could could last. I could could deal with that. I could last about five minutes and have to get some kind of sports drink. That's a different issue. And then hopefully the next two hours and 50 allow you to rebuild your energy (laughs) and last encore afterwards. You'd have to watch it in segments on live pause, but (laughs) by the end of it, the amount of carpal tunnel syndrome going about. Now, now here's an interesting thing. I think sports entertainment is what you bring up when you have a non-wrestling fan watch it. And they're the people that Vince is going after. It's like he's got the hardcore fan. They're never going to leave. As long as they give them enough of what they want, which is the wrestling. 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 And they can't ever get rid of it. I mean, Vince McMahon can't. I mean, must have been, part of him must have wanted to. But he mm. can't give a well, three-hour... He can't do a three-hour sketch yeah. of um, promos and what have you. He can't do it. He has to put in... A match where there's a bell opening it, a bell ending it, or a bell end ending it. If Miz wins, that would be more appropriate. Um, <laughs> and it falling under some sort of rules that you would see in a sporting event. Mm. Qualifications, count out, pinfall, submissions, holding onto the ropes means you break a hold, etc, etc, etc. But with my one of my friends, who is the most anti-wrestling in that he makes fun of it. He can't sit through 30 seconds of wrestling. It's like if some people tried to watch an opera within 30 seconds, or, or a musical. He's the same with a musical, actually. I remember when we went to see a film at the cinema, and there was a trailer for Sweeney Todd. This was before Johnny Depp and Tim Burton had fallen away and just become parodies of their former selves. I mean, <laughs> they were both getting there already. I mean, I don't think Tim Burton's made a, a great film since Ed Wood. And the only good film he's made in years has been Frank and Weenie. But I digress again. And the, scene, the Sweeney Todd trailer was on. And he was like, oh, this is interesting. Johnny Depp, Helena Bonham Carter, Tim Burton, Victorian times. It seems really grisly and bloody and murder. And there's Alan Rickman. And then at one moment in the trailer, he just goes, you, sir, Bruce, sir, care to have a shave? I will have vengeance. And I just heard him to the right of me just go, oh, God's sake. As soon as he knew it was a musical, it just, he couldn't take it. Why is he broken into song? There are no instruments anywhere near him at that moment in time. Why are people not baffled at the sight of him singing? Um, like, and, he's the same with, and he's the same with wrestling. As soon yeah, well, as, they lock, up, as, soon as like, they lock up and start trading holds, he can't stand it. He's bored out common of there. 30 seconds. He loves entrances. He loves the build-up. He, loves the, he very often loves the promos and so on. As soon as they start wrestling, he switches off. The common trend there is um, for both musicals and professional wrestling and grown-ups watching Disney films, you have to suspend your disbelief. Yes. Your friend doesn't seem to be able to suspend his disbelief. Well, or nothing caused him. His, his favourite ever thing is Star Wars. That was his favourite thing growing up. He loves Star Wars. And I'm like, 
what's stupider than Star Wars? Not many Ooh. things. <laughs> Insofar well, as just stupidity. There's there's a hell of a lot of unreality to Star Wars as well. Yeah. Uh, what what you I think what you were trying to say before we uh, have a fat war declared on us by a certain section of uh, and the internet. They are scarier than ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, basically They're that, certainly um, greater in numbers. Yeah. Star Wars is not a documentary. It's basically the core point you were saying. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't confuse it for a documentary. No. So, it's one of those things, like, again, my flatmate, he's, he loves Star Wars, mm. but yet he's struggling a little bit with pro wrestling at the moment. Yeah. Everyone has their, everyone has their thing. Like I said, with me, I struggle with um, light opera, with ballet. I struggle with them. I, I, I can appreciate them as art forms and as skills and as achievements. I struggle with some elements of jazz. I like some jazz. I, I struggle with other bits. I, I struggle with some classical music. I, I struggle with, um, I, I struggle with soap operas. I can see the appeal, but the crumminess of them mm. bothers me too much. To me, EastEnders is the worst written, acted, directed, and produced TV show on telly. As opposed well, to TV shows not on telly. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this is back to my court on demand point. Mm. He's because Vince. This is a perfect time to bring in the Vince McMahon answer on the Steve Austin podcast when he was interviewed a food a month or so, a couple of months back. That sums this all up. Vince McMahon is not competing with professional wrestling for two reasons. One, he's killed nearly every other professional wrestling opposition he's had. And Alexander the Great wept salt tears when he realised at the age of 32 he conquered the known world. Exactly. It's Eric exactly Bristow like is that. only 27. <laughs> <laughs> you get that reference? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the second reason, the second thing about his answer is like, we're not competing with professional wrestling, is because... He is competing with everything else that is there now. It's not like professional wrestling was in the 70s in the territories. You know, mm. people would go out on a Saturday night to watch the wrestling, or yeah. the wrestling would be on on a Saturday night, and then they would go out. <laughs> because he's on a Monday night, because he's against the NFL, because TV does not have a schedule anymore, he is competing with every single thing that's out there. Because the people do concerts on Monday nights now, because there's flexible work time, and mm. the weekends have lost their pageantry because of shift patterns, maybe on a sociological level, mm. he is competing with every single form of media. Library, even, he's even competing with. He views everything as competition. Mm. And the old adage sometimes, in terms of celebrity involvement, is if you can't beat them... Pay him a couple of million and get their fans to come watch your product. Yeah. Mike Tyson, Floyd Mayweather, mm. Kim Kardashian, mm. Maria Menounos. Hopefully they didn't get as much as the first two. Yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting point. And that's one thing I want to, I think we want to delve more deeply into this. I want to kind of save this phrase, this point for another episode, but we are mentioning it. Vince McMahon says, I'm not in competition with TNA. I'm not in competition with UFC. I'm in competition with Game of Thrones. I'm in competition with Orange is the New Black. I'm in competition with the NFL. And they say, we're not, we're not doing wrestling. We're telling stories. And that's fine. You're just telling them very, very badly. 
if you want to compare yourself to Game of Thrones, sit down in a writer's meeting at Game of Thrones and see if it's anything close to being as similar as the writer's meetings you have for Monday Night Raw. Because someone tells me David Benioff and D.B. Weiss do not behave in the same way that you do. <laughs> and you do not treat your talent in the same way that they treat their talent. It's true. Uh, I can't imagine Sean Bean uh, being told that um, I'll owe you one and being happy with it. Yeah. And just, and just when they'll say they'll do something that will be counterintuitive to what they've done the previous week and they say no one will pay attention to that, that fundamentally misunderstands the general audience. The general mm. audience do care and they are cleverer than that and they're savvy and they, and and they care more. Because you're giving them access to previous episodes and previous moments mm. through on demand, through mm. people like DVRing, like, yeah. you know, Series Link, it's not like before you might have been able to get away with it to an extent. Now, when we can go back and go, well, actually, it wasn't like this. What you're on about, like yeah. one of the worst things that makes the sports ent- really annoys me about sports entertainment is like, oh, I'm telling stories, kind of thing. But there's never, sometimes, there's no payoffs to the angles because they want to do something more convenient. Yeah. My biggest bugbear at the moment with this. This is a prime example of this. <clears throat> Stephanie McMahon, Brie Bella. SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Healed 2014 her. we're talking about, in case someone unearths this in the year 2027, or what have you. And he's going through the back catalogue. <laughs> but my point is, Nikki Bella, heel turn, you know, wow, big storyline. Sister versus sister. Family family feuds, easy, fairly easy to write as well. You've got a lot of story, like thing, and there's a competitive resentment there anyway. You know, it's not hard to get it wrong. Mm. But A, they did with the god-awful writing, and B, they're friends again. Like, there was never a point where it made sense. Yeah. And the reason I think they're friends again is because what started up recently again? Oh, that would be Total Divas. Oh, let, let, let's let's have the Bellas be friends again, because that's one of our big archers and Total Divas. That's him taking the professional wrestling aspect, looking at the sports entertainment incubator that is Total Divas, and going... That's more important. Mm. That's what annoys hardcore fans. Mm. That's what annoyingly works, because I think Jim Ross's wife's a great example of someone who watches Total Divas but doesn't watch wrestling. There are Mm. some people that do it. Mm. But he's not going to... In some cases, if he converts them into the ring, then those people who are coming in from Total Divas to the WWE are like, okay, I know it's a storyline, but... When I go back and watch these matches, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. He's sort of hoping to inc- create casuals. If he creates too many hardcore people, then the logic might collapse. Do you think their goal when they're making Total Divas is for the, let's say, half a million housewives or whoever it is that they're targeting this towards or watching it, that they would then switch and watch Raw and SmackDown and get the network? Or... Does he just see them as another audience out there, kind of like how Coca-Cola will make um, smart water to get the people that don't drink their soft drinks? They don't don't make smart water in order to then get them to start buying Coca-Cola. That is a good point, Um, because the true answer is, I think it's a bit bit of column A and a bit of column B, and I know that sounds like a Lib Dem fence-sitting answer. Mm. But his long-term goal has to be, has to be, 
to create the next generation of wrestling fans. Otherwise, your company does not survive. Mm. Is he wanting to make the next generation of wrestling fans, or is he wanting to make the next generation of WWE fans? Because WWE no longer stands for World Wrestling Entertainment. It's a brand. Does he want to make the fans mm. of their reality shows, of their movies, of their network, and everything else? This is my point. Uh, because he, at the core, he still needs wrestling. He's never going to take the wrestling out of WWE. It's never going to happen. And he's using sports entertainment to incubate professional wrestling. Because I believe that Vince McMahon is still a fan of professional wrestling at his heart. However, I do believe that he's realised that if it's on its own... It's not going to fly in this day and age. So he has adapted it. He has incubated it with sports entertainment. But with Total Divas, he's aiming, hoping that some of the younger fans that might watch it and haven't made up their minds yet, because I'm profiling there a little bit, but they might switch over to see the guys that they're following in real life do their job, kind of in the ring kind of thing. It's the UFC documentaries that they do. It's the sports fixes on Football Focus. Every sport or sports entertainment does it anyway. However, I think you're right in terms of he knows that some of the people watching Total Divas will never watch the WWE, and he wants their money anyway. Do you think also one of the benefits with Total Divas is that maybe a boyfriend can get to keep the WWE network when him and his girlfriend are going through their bills and they need to get rid of stuff? And he'll be allowed to keep the network because his girlfriend will watch Total Divas from time to time. I reckon that's an argument that might have been used somewhere in America or across the world, yes. Mm. I don't think it's a big demographic, but I think it is a demographic. Okay, let's talk about sports entertainment outside of the WWE and maybe eventually outside of professional wrestling. Has there been sports entertainment in other promotions within professional wrestling? Oh, right, yes. Big time. Um... Where do you want to start? There's Capital Combat, mm-hmm. held in Washington, D.C., back in 1991. I think you're out, we're outside my yes. field of knowledge. Capital Combat being a WCW pay-per-view that you can catch on the network, if you so wish. And that was an example of great sports entertainment, was it? Or no. was it an example of sports <laughs> entertainment? <laughs> an example of sports entertainment. Because, uh, spoiler alert, guys, um, if you don't want to hear the results, uh, fast forward now. Uh, but Sting is trapped in a cage because uh, one of the stipulations because of the main event. Because reasons. Because mm. wrestling. Because one of the stipulations is if you're pinned for a bit, you're in a cage. <laughs> and he's trapped in a cage. Like and he's, trying to, like, he's got to like, try and level the odds. And it's like, oh, I need to get out of this cage. Robocop turns up. As, as you do. do. <laughs> and that's great if that's what the commentators had said. <laughs> oh my god, Robocop's turned up. As you do. As you do. <laughs> <laughs> and he just rips the door off this cage and Sting goes off and, like, you know, does his merry uh, thing. This is pre-Crow Sting, by the way, so this is more like Cena-esque level Sting than Undertaker-level-esque Sting. I mean, Sting's an interesting character. We'll do that another day. Um, <clears throat> but the whole pay-per-view was sort of made to factor in the promotion of this Robocop movie. Um they wanted either the dollars or it was a Ted Turner-like baby baby that he wanted maybe, to... Um, maybe do. Time Warner. It was probably a Time Warner movie. Mm. Or, uh, or what, yeah. I thought it was Time Warner. I didn't want to get that wrong, so I'm glad I got that right in my head. But the, the reasons behind it don't really make sense. And another great example, which has just come into my mind from WCW, and I think this is 
slightly hubris on the part of Eric Bischoff, who seemed to fancy himself a little bit of a biker sometimes. They do hog wild at this yeah. biker convention. Mm-hmm. The bikers were never really into it. Heels became faces, faces became heels. Stones thrown at the ring. want to know what black people became. <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons they stopped it in the end. Endangered really. is what they became. Yeah. Um, and he was doing it. I think it, it's the Total Divas argument again. Was he doing it to get the bikers? Was he doing it for his own personal hubris? Or to like... Basically, he wanted to hang out at, um, what's it called? Monterey. I think it is, yeah. So it was the ultimate vanity project, really. Mm. That'd be like W. That'd be like Vince McMahon putting a wrestling show in the middle of the Venice Beach gym where all those big guys lift weights all the time. <laughs> he does love his big man, bless. He does him. love his big man. I mean, the WWF was his equivalent of Hogwild, I suppose. Mm. Well, pre nineteen ninety two WWF. Mm. Once the uh federal government got involved yeah change for the equivalent of their September 11th according to Stephanie McMahon of course oh yeah I mean um, that's the World Bodybuilding Federation again like when he did that um, that was like his own personal pet hubris project like Linda McMahon's running for Senate so both have done their own personal hubris kind of thing I don't think Hogwild was purely that I think he excused Hogwild the way the boyfriend excused the WWE Network on the bill by saying, well, some of them might come back to our product. Mm-hmm. It's like when he um, got desperate and paid Kiss something extortionate like a million to play on Nitro. Yes. I mean, b- bands are interesting as well for sports entertainment. Because we've got two cons. We've got the live entrance and them doing their sets like Kid Rock at Mania. Yes. Did not like Kid Rocket mainly. I don't see that. Like, I, as think, a, as I guess smart they saw that like, as like their Super Bowl halftime halftime show. I suppose. But I, but you ask most American football fans if they enjoy the Super Bowl halftime show. But that's, that's I guess different. that's for the people that watch the Super Bowl for the commercials, which yeah. boggles my mind. The halftime show is completely different, and I'll tell you why. Okay. With the Super Bowl, you've got two teams going hard at it for two quarters, compared to. The length and depth of the roster, not as what not what it once was, but now you've still got various different stars doing various different matches, so no one's particularly worn out, and people have paid to watch wrestling at their court again. However, with the halftime show at the Super Bowl, a lot of casual fans have been brought in from around the globe. People who will only watch the Super Bowl but won't watch other NFL games. A large percentage of people in the UK are like that, I imagine. Mm. Changing slightly, but... That's by the by. Are you one of those? Have you been a long-time American football fan? It's the times that the games are on which are catching me out. I would watch more of it if, A, I had the free time, and B, you know, they weren't on at ridiculous times in the morning. Mm. There's only so much I can do. Yeah. Um, But people who have stayed up, for example, over here, or people who are tuning in in America, they've watched two quarters of, let's face it, not the fastest paced game in the world it's mm. not a great spectator sport it's if you're not a fan very stop start mm. I struggle with watching American football live I can watch highlights but I struggle to watch it live mm. it's a sport YouTube was made for mm. <laughs> in many ways mm. but those fans have sat through two quarters and the teams same roster always going at each other they're tired they need a break the fans also need a break and those casual fans are like do I want to see a highlight package of what I've just seen? I kind of just seen it. And because of the stop-start nature, you see it all the time there and then anyway. 
But if the halftime act is good, like if it's Beyonce or Katy Perry, they're like, it's like their reward mm. for being good enough to come to the Super Bowl. Mm. And it gives gives the hardcore fans a treat as well. But if it's but Kid Rock... If it's Kid Rock, then no one. <laughs> no, And I mean no one is rewarded with that, apart from Kid Rock and his accountant. Yes. I've heard this great story about Kid Rock. That he has a favourite bar in Detroit where I think he lives, or he's from there. And when he walks in, he's got a special remote, and he can press it upon his entrance, and one of his songs will play. And he has a seat reserved for him at the bar, and when he sits down, his favourite beer is waiting for him when he comes in. Pretentious ass. That just tells you everything. One of the many reasons why we should hate Kid Rock. Um... But my key point was that's very different to the Super Bowl halftime show. And celebrities, celebrities doing one or two, like a song for an entrance is okay. A good example of that, Roxena won Mm. at WrestleMania 28. Yes, 28. Sorry, I do get my tail end mixed up a little bit. Where Flo Flo Rida played for The Rock. Mm. It was was like each one of them had a hype man. Mm. Well, I think Florida, like, it works because him, because he was that from Florida and it's the hometown boy coming back to wrestling, back to his home mm. to win the gold. And that's why they had that. And that worked beautifully. And quite appropriately, John Cena was uh, introduced by a skinny white boy in vest trying to act all tough. I believe you're referring to uh, Machine Gun Kelly. Yes, I am referring uh, to And Gun the song Kelly. Invincible. Yes. Which is good. It, it, I like appropriate, the song in terms of... in books. <laughs> the song's good for a uh, workout mix, and that is it. Mm. And I've not listened to any of Machine Gun Kelly's other stuff, but I will admit right here, right now, it is on my Spotify running playlist. So you think that the, um, the pomp and circumstance, not the Randy Savage entrance theme, but the... The the uh, accoutrements, the bells and whistles that that you get a lot of at WrestleMania. Yeah. To you, is that sports entertainment, and is that sports entertainment at its best? It's sports entertainment bridging the gap with mm. professional wrestling at its best, definitely. Now, here's another thing. We take the simple fact of sports entertainment, and you were just saying about the NFL and the Super Bowl. There is no guarantee that the Super Bowl will be a good game of football, of American football. There's no guarantee you the can't FA Cup's final or the Champions League final will be a good game of football, especially if Jose Mourinho is in charge of one of the teams. It's not in their fundamental interest to entertain the fans. Whereas yeah, with pro wrestlers, they're using a sports genre purely to entertain. And yet again, that's where the term sports entertainment is appropriate. I guess we're kind of almost becoming defenders in this sense, Um, which is not the intention. It's just sometimes people say sports entertainment, if we got rid of that, then wrestling would be good again. Well, if you got rid of that, then I don't know what you have. If you got rid of that, then you've got the Luthez versus Pat O'Connor matches. And I'm sure they're great within their context, but I think in this day and age, they don't necessarily work anymore. It wouldn't work as would. a concept. Even Ring of Honor, at its most pure, had Colt Cabana. It mm. had 
the Christopher Street connection. Maybe the closest thing you got to it in the modern era was when the UWFI was a thing. And you had Nobuhiko Takada. Bushido was how it was um, marketed in the Euro, in Eurosport. And it did look almost like it was real. And I remember my cousin Matthew, who was one that was getting me into wrestling, was convinced that Bushido was real. But then I saw in the credits the Iron Sheik, and I was like, ain't no way this is real. (laughs) (laughs) No offence the Iron Sheik, Olympic medal-winning wrestler. Um, I'm just a badass. You should watch that video of the Iron Sheik taking part in a UWFI match and not quite understanding why his opponent's trying to hit him so hard. See, but even then, that had a short shelf life. Mm. Because I think people go to pro wrestling to have... If you want pure sports, then I guess you watch the um, you watch the you Gracie's watch grappling promotion. Yeah. The UFC. I think the UFC actually calls itself sports entertainment to get around certain um, That's licensing. for licensing. Yeah. So they fall under sports entertainment as well. And they, they is, are they, becoming they, a bit more. So that's more just so they can go by their own rules. I'm not saying any UFC fight is fixed. See, no, well, we're not throwing that out there at all. What I am thinking, I think about, Dana White sometimes wishes it were. <laughs> he does. I remember one time he walked out of an Anderson Silva title defense. He actually walked out of his own pay per view and handed the title to someone else, going, "Look, he's doing a boring defensive style. We know he's going to win. I can't be asked to present this to him. Wow. You do it." Dana White is is a great character in terms of he will do what he wants to do. He is he very is much promoter. like Vince. He is from the Vince McMahon school of promoting. They get. I think if they do have conversations, they get on famously. And if they don't, they should because they would. If they don't, it's probably because they're too much like one another. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what he's done, though, is you have the ultimate fighter. They have reality television. They have the pre-match hype things. They have It's like their own version of football focus. But mm. because... Because the rivalries are between two individuals, it's very pro wrestling esque, mm. and as a byproduct of what pro wrestling is now, it's very sport entertainment esque. Yeah. However, Jim Cornette has said that the UFC is the best professional wrestling promotion in the world right now. There was a great article in Fighting Spirit magazine uh, a couple of months ago when he was talking about it was around um, Independence Day time, and he's like. Why the Great American Bash wasn't around then on the 4th of July kind of thing, but UFC have their Stars and Stripes pageantry event. He even put in the line, uh, they, it's one of those few rare occasions where they wish they could write the winner. Thankfully, last year, their American hero, I can't remember his name, did overcome the foreigner and win the main event. Was it Chris Weidman? <clears throat> I think, it, yes, it was Weidman. Because yes. he does have something of the Captain America of him, the Randy Couture. Mm. Um, the All-American Boy. Of course, I mean, the simple fact of the matter is, if he weren't so damn entertaining, Conor McGregor would still be a fight or two away from a title shot. Entertainment does have a factor. Same with boxing, though. Yeah. Entertaining fighters get title matches. Mike as Tyson well as good fighters. himself on Gorgeous George. Yeah. Maybe Gorgeous George was the first ever sports entertainer. It was the first one to use theme music, for example. Hmm. Like Mike Tyson carved a persona for himself, and that persona... Well, we got him a great paycheck when he was like suspended as well, like, in terms of going to WWE. Mm. And he was, I'd say in terms of boxing, one of boxing's first, well, one of boxing's best sports entertainers. I don't, my knowledge of boxing's very, very limited, but he transcends the genre and therefore he is 
not a boxer. He is a sports entertainer. Mm. That is what Vince is looking for. That is what sports entertainment's objective is. And whether we like it or not, that's what we've got. And because professional wrestling has changed, because there are so much, is so much more competition, and because he needs to incubate professional wrestling, it's some we shouldn't hate. Smart shouldn't hate as much as they do. Mm. I have learned. I've gone through the wall. Just reference yourself there earlier. I understand that professional wrestling is somewhat of a necessity this in this day and age. And I think that's why NXT's booked so differently. It's kind of like this is for you guys. NXT is like an HBO show in that they know in order to get people to pay, they need to give them the higher quality stuff. And they don't need to worry about sponsors mm. and advertisers. It's the brand itself. How many people were like, after the Royal Rumble, screw this, I'm not watching WWE anymore, I'll just watch NXT? You saw loads of people say that on the internet. There, there, was, yeah. there was a common theme. And, and, and the WWE's like, fine, we're still getting you 9.99. Or unless you get it through mm. alternative means, of course. Uh, I was going to say, and it plays to your... And, and it's, still, it's still sports entertainment. Yeah. It's just, well, it's your total divas woman earlier. It was like, why is my boyfriend paying for this? All oh, this is on. It's justifiable then. Yeah. It's exactly the same principle. Yeah. I think... Um, it seems like we're... I don't want this to come out as if we're defenders of sports entertainment. I think you and I, first and foremost, are pro wrestling fans. We are professional wrestling fans. This is a professional wrestling podcast. Yeah. The sort of stuff that that is really entertaining me now is like going through YouTube and finding this fantastic map-based match between Biff Busick and Timothy Thatcher. And that was like old-school wrestling with a new-school twist. You should look those guys up if you get the chance. Um... And that's what I like. I love my Ring of Honor star wrestling. I love my. I loved Daniel Bryan before. I loved Bryan Danielson before anyone loved Daniel Bryan. <laughs> Don't. Oh, you've ruined it. We've said so close about sounding hipster, and you've just. I know, it. I know, I know. I just want to make it clear. I, that's like that's like a hipster being caught dancing to uh, Mumford and Sons or something like that. Because I was going like to Brian... Spears, but a lot of hipsters probably like Britney Spears. Daniel Bryan <laughs> slash Brian Danielson is very much like the Black Eyed Peas. Mm. It's early stuff. Everyone like, oh yeah, it's cool, it's edgy. Like if you caught catching his like some, some, some in some people's eyes, if you caught catching some of his new stuff, you're like, what are you doing? Get out! Well, the thing is, Daniel Bryan is still a pro wrestler at heart. He's just been he's able still to... a very good pro wrestler. Yeah, he's still a very good pro wrestler. It's just he's now got the yes thing to go with it. Yeah. It's like it's like that's the sizzle on the steak, as Jr. would say. That's what's got people in. He's got them. He's brought them in with his yes, yes, yes. But he doesn't do the yes, yes throughout the twenty-five minutes of his match. He's still doing great pro wrestling. Maybe mm. not the pure, pure technical stuff he was doing. Nigel McGuinness. It is a WWEized version of it, but it's kind of like um, a. Ri- it's like OK Computer or something yeah. like that. Something that appeals to both the general public and the critics. Which is again what they're trying to do as a whole, and I think that's where Daniel Bryan as sort of an embodiment of it because he was pro wrestling he's now sports entertainment but although Vince he's still, a pro still wrestler doesn't at think heart. of him as that i think i think well, Vince is actually biased in that he thinks he's still a pro wrestler and i don't think he is first and foremost a pro wrestler anymore well if we want to open up that can of worms about the general booking direction now we could be here for another few hours yeah but that's actually that's an interesting thing that william regal <laughs> says to any wrestler on the independent scene or what have you if they're going to sign for the WWE or they want to sign for the WWE 
And his point to them is, have you had your fill of wrestling? Because there's no guarantee they're going to get to do the kind of wrestling that they were allowed to do if they were in Ring of Honor or Dragon Gate or anyone else, anywhere else. That's an interesting point. They might get to, but there's just as much of a chance they'll have to be Fandango. Yeah, or, or CM Punk having to reload his style, or yeah. the rumours that uh, Adrian Neville might be given the Mighty Mouse gimmick when he comes up to uh, yeah. the WWE. Mm. Well, I think this is a debate that could go on for hours and hours on end, and I think we should encourage feedback. Maybe in future episodes we'll actually go back to the previous topic and see what people, if people have emailed us in or messaged us to see what they think. But before we end this discussion, we go into our... Legends in their own mind of wrestling. Uh, because like Legends of Wrestling, we're going to do a Mount Rushmore. Where we take what we believe to be the four greatest or most definitive examples of what we've been talking about. And this is, we were, we were kind of discussing this ahead of time. Actually, I think I'll let you go first, Simon. Uh, I think we'll keep with tradition, but you go first and I'll go second. Is that alright with you or do you want to, do you want me to go first? Um, let's mix it up. Let's okay. Mix it up a little. I'll, I'll go first. <coughs> Clear the throat, build up. There's quite a moment going first. Yeah. Oof, pressure. I'm headlining. <laughs> so, what, Simon, are your four definitive Mount Rushmore moments of sports entertainment? If someone wanted to say, what do you believe sports entertainment to be? What four moments would you pinpoint them to? Okay. One of them I've already mentioned, so let's get that out of the way first. Sting Robocop Gate. Mm-hmm. That is how bad sports entertainment can get. Mm. In terms of just like, why is this here? What is this doing? What value does this have to pro wrestling kind of thing? Mm. Similar vein, because I can't see the net gain long term. Maria Menounos's match. Uh, I don't want to even remember which WrestleMania it is. I'm deliberately being vague about this because I don't want to talk about this any longer than I actually have to. <laughs> the storyline was awful. The match was awful. The makeup was awful, which you wouldn't think is a fact, but when your white knight is wearing white clothes and looks like she has shit herself because yes. there is bronzer all over her ass. For those then you ha- keeping a tally up on the invert on the speech marks, there are a few more there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's because it's official. I can. Yeah, I, it's, I understand. It's no. one of those things. Yeah, but that is just a pure pure example of we've put this in here because. It fills time and ticks a box. Like, yay, we've done some celebrity crossover. Awful. Didn't warrant, didn't need doing. Two good examples, two really good examples. Is, um, I'm not going to use both boxes, so I'm going to try and cheat and group them together. Boxers coming over, because there's some legitimacy there, but they are still celebrities and have transcended the genre. Mike Tyson, example earlier, a special guest enforcer. But one which I think, but the boxer I think did better, A, because he actually worked a match, and B, how he adapted to the situation he was in with the storyline. Floyd Mayweather Big Show mm-hmm. is great sports entertainment mm-hmm. because A, it had a pro wrestling element, a significant pro wrestling element. B, Mayweather as a face wasn't working and they adapted beautifully yes. because A, pro wrestlers wanted to hate the invader. The general public hates Floyd Mayweather. I think sometimes his own family struggle with the man. Well, his dad's had issues in the past. Exactly. That's by the by. Uh, that is a perfect example of how good sports entertainment can be. And another great example, I would say, is those bands that do live WrestleMania performances. 
case in point, the best example I have ever seen of this, and this is a bold statement, best example of a band doing a live performance at WrestleMania. WrestleMania 30, Bray Wyatt's. Can't remember the name of the band, and this is a great failing of mine, but Broken Out in Love. I think Big it's a guy audience. called Mark Crozier, who Mark is also Crozier. in the Jesus and Mary chain, mm. uh, which is pretty cool. Okay, um, I'm going to go through mine, and I think what we're going to do, we like to have a definitive one, and I think what we'll do is we'll merge our two together. Um, with, with, but the first three that I'll do that are separate to you. I'm going to go with the 37th Annual Slammy Awards, which is the first actual Slammy Awards, I believe. It was done in 1987, and it was literally a variety show. There was no wrestling going on in a ring, and there were wrestlers being given Best Tuxedo Awards, and they were being given the Jesse the Body Ventura Awards. Very Tuesday Night Titans. Vince, yes, Tuesday Night Titans as well be another great example of that. And Vincent Mann came out and did his Stand Back song. And it was wrestling as a variety show. And it was it was very funny in its own way. And, and, and looking back, I think that 1985 to 1989 era of wrestling, when I wasn't watching, was actually more tongue-in-cheek. That, that Saturday Night Live replacement Saturday Night Main event era, where they would have Captain Lou Albano taking, place, taking part in pie-eating contests with Bobby Heenan, I think it was, and all the wrestlers are in fancy dress costumes. And like hated rivals like Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper are in the same studio, but they're encouraging their fellow good guy or bad guy to eat pies quicker. So that whole kind of thing, and I guess it will be in, encapsulated best with that Slammy Awards show. So I put that in the 37th annual Slammy Awards show. Why 37? Because fuck you, that's why. Because reasons. <laughs> um, I would also put in a non-WWE one, which was the opening segment of Ring of Honor. Where Ring of Honor fans think of themselves as anti-sports entertainment. And I suppose their declaration of that, their sort of fan service, as it were, was that the first people to enter the arena were the Christopher Street Connection, a gay tag team who literally kissed in the middle of the ring. And then they got attacked by the Hit Squad, who were strong style and did burning hammers and power bombs through tables. And it was their statement of, we're going to kill sports entertainment. We aren't sports entertainment. But you know what? The Christopher Street connection lasted uh, longer than the Hit Squad did in Ring of Honor. And the Christopher Street connection were involved in storylines and matches. So it's obvious that even Gabe Sapolsky knew we can say what we are, but we know that we're still... Sports entertainment. We're still not just pro wrestling. There has to be more to it than this. So it's yeah. kind of what fans perceived it to be and what it actually was. So that's my other sports entertainment moment. In that it's just my point that sports entertainment actually encapsulates everything in wrestling. Okay. Um, that's your first two. That's my first two. My third one is the image of Jay Leno holding Hulk Hogan in an arm ringer for about a minute. And Hulk Hogan gradually circling around in the ring on his knees in pain, making sure that every single camera got a photo of him and that every single news story ran with Jay Leno holding Hulk Hogan in an arm ringer. Killing the f business kayfabe be damned. Hulk Hogan's going to get into all the newspapers with that shot. That to me is sort of 
Because I think you went very celebrity involvement with your version of sports entertainment. I don't know if that's how you define sports entertainment, that kind of celebrity aspect. Or more just that the celebrity is kind of that trying to bring in an outside audience. I think the celebrities, when people speak about sports entertainment in disparaging terms, they're speaking mainly about two things, I think, in the modern era. Total divas, celebrity involvement. Because mm. we've talked about doing a celebrity involvement episode, maybe we'll hold off on that for now because a lot of it's been covered. I think it's something yeah, we don't want to burn that out. That we've barely scratched the surface. Yeah, I was thinking of including way. Mike Tyson in there, but I don't really want. I think your Floyd Mayweather summed it up really well. Um, so what I'm going to say for my other Mount Rushmore, and I want to sort of fuse it with your Bray Wyatt entrance, is the Undertaker entrances at WrestleMania, which are these great live spectacles of. Pro wrestling, as it always was meant to be, uh, at the beginning was a live entertainment spectacle. Like Cirque du Soleil. Like, uh, theatre. It was like Blue Man like Group. pantomime. Like opera. Pro wrestling is opera for the masses, in many ways. <laughs> and there's no character more operatic than The Undertaker. And think... many of his WrestleMania entrances have been works of art. I genuinely think you can put them up against any of the best Broadway productions any of the best Cirque du Soleil shows, the work and the vision that goes into them are vastly underrated. And the direction. They're doing it all in one take. Yeah. Except when Triple H throws a sledgehammer through a window somehow. <laughs> one of those, the, the whole point that you've just made there, the moment you said the Undertaker's entrance at WrestleMania, I actually got goosebumps. Exactly. Even and when we were just talking about but it doesn't even have to just be The Undertaker. You go all the way back to the first WrestleManias and the war to settle the score and those first big WWE shows where a big marching band comes out with Roddy Piper playing the bagpipes and live music accompaniments. I think mm. that's when I enjoy the bells and whistles of wrestling more, is WrestleMania time. Whether it's Shawn Michaels going down on a zip wire, whether yeah. it's... Um, whether it's Shawn Michaels descending from the heavens and The Undertaker ascending from hell. Mm. Whether it's Triple H riding in on a throne surrounded by three scantily clad women. Yeah. Or whether it's um, The Rock with his like Flow Rider uh, introduction. Yeah. Or whether or not it's Bray Wyatt with the voodoo priestess and his band in costume with all the lights beautiful moment so you're alright with the merging of that really your Bray Wyatt entrances it's, with my Undertaker mm. entrances all together to be just the best Wrestlemania entrances I am good with that and I'd like to point out you don't need all the bells and whistles to make it feel special one of the best entrances ever in terms of like hype and build, even the entrance building it all is the main event of Wrestlemania 1 that bit when Mr. T and Hulk Hogan are coming out together Mr. T has got on his boxer's robe mm. Hulk Hogan's like taped he's ready and the atmosphere is charged and all they're doing is walking to the ring but yeah. the way there's like cameras around them and the energy builds off it and builds off it and builds I off always it. love that them walking on their own quietly in backstage before they're making their way to the entrance something that they used most recently with Sami Zayn and Adrian Neville at the mm. NXT show. And I think it's that, that moment of quiet before the madness that will ensue. Yeah. The, the quiet before the storm. Yeah. It's that moment, it's the, that still, stillness before the two tangle. Mm. It's that 
moment where uh, people stare at each other, that stare down, that bit where Rowdy and uh, Mr. T go nose to nose. Mm. I mean, technically it's not part of the entrance, but it adds to the pageantry of the pre-match section. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess the pageantry, the entrances. The, let's just say as our, our catch-all, as our definitive... The definitive sports entertainment is the WrestleMania entrances. Are you okay with that? The best of the WrestleMania. I'm okay with that. Even from the old, uh, the mini rings, which I really wish they'd bring back at least once. Those yeah. mini rings that escort, that take the... Oh, that arcade game, WWE Immortals. Oh, no, not Immortals. Uh, Le- you know, Legends one they did where it was really cartoony. Yeah. And they had the mini rings for that. That was, that was a nice nostalgia pop. And, yeah. But uh, they'll probably never bring them back. If they don't bring back the ice cream bars, they'll probably never bring back the uh, little entrance carts. But I think we've had a hearty debate and a very civil conversation. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, we've definitely hashed it out in a grand scale of things. And I think we've... Uh, we'll, we'll call this a Broadway draw yes. in terms of verbal sparring. Ah, damn it, that's a wrestling term. I'm never putting on another 60-minute <laughs> wrestling match. <laughs> <laughs> God, Vince putting an hour of wrestling on Raw. I don't think you get that combined these days, but yeah. at least now we know why hours. as a result of this podcast. Anyway, if you feel like you want to talk to us about anything that we've raised, if you want to get in touch, not on the street in public. I have 15 restraining orders out already. I don't need to add more. It's just unnecessary admin for all involved. But Simon, if people want to get in touch with you, and you don't want to be giving out your home address? Oh, no, naturally. Not, uh, not Postcode starts with an L E, but. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Alright, B N. N? M? Whatever. B. <laughs> I'm not good with postcodes. Not anymore. Um, if people want to get in touch with me, they have my Twitter handle, which is Simon Cross Free, because I am really unimaginative. They can get in touch with me over Facebook via either our page, which is our page, or via my personal account if you you know that kind of de- that dedicated what's the address for our fam for our page on facebook simon why it's the very name of our podcast it's let me tell you something is it well it was let me tell you podcast let me tell you podcast is our facebook web address i see our facebook name I can tell there's a generational gap here. yes there it's is very still, much. let me tell you oh, what a name now <laughs> <laughs> And of course, um, Do we have a PO box. <laughs> oh, we have a fax number. Weirdly, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, you've ruined my seamless plug for Mid Table Crisis as well, which is my Why, other what's podcast. Mid Table Crisis, Simon. It's where uh, me and Sir Thomas of Patrick discuss the footballing world in an offbeat manner. Mm. Certainly not your conventional. If if you like football focus and think that's how presenting a football should be done, don't maybe come to ours. If if you like football focus and think, well, I'd like to, see, I can mix it up. You're probably for us. <laughs> I wish Aston Villa were involved in a mid-table crisis at the moment. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yes. If you want to get in touch with me, my Twitter handle is Lorcan Mullen. That's L O R C A N M U W L A for Apple N. My website does not exist, but I am on Facebook, so if you want to add me as a friend, that's absolutely fine. If you want to get in touch with me that way, message me, what have you, I'm open to discussion about many things. Uh, Not everything, but many things. 
my belly button link collection is a very personal thing that I do not wish to discuss with others. Much like my charity work. Of which there is none. (laughs) But if you also want to learn more about my life as a wrestling fan, then by all means... Get yourself a Kindle or an ebook or a Kindle app on your iPhone or your smartphone or your Android and download yourself a copy of Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan on Amazon. I guarantee you will recognize yourself or you will feel better for yourself for not recognizing yourself <laughs> in my history as a wrestling fan. And if you want to keep following us on our SoundCloud page, that is at Chess Club Rebels. Do you know why the, the, the web's why it's called Chess Club Rebels, Simon? Is it because we are too tight to buy a fresh one? And we're just using your old one. <laughs> yes, partly. But the reason that it was Chess Club Rebels is when I was at secondary school, me and my mates would hang out in the chess club, but we didn't want to be so lame as to be members of the chess club and have to play chess. <laughs> so we were unofficial members that kept <laughs> kicked out all the time. You were like the real IRA of the chess club, chess club world. We were the bad boys of the chess club. In that we were really bad at chess. <laughs> Those two sentences that you've just heard, ladies and gentlemen, is pretty much what Lorcan's life is like as a whole. Yeah. I'm rebellious, but in very, very pathetic ways. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed letting us tell you something, and I hope that you come back to let us tell you something more. But for now, from me, Lorcan Mullen, and from me, Simon Cross, it's good night, Grapple fans. What you're watching is history in the making, the first time ever empty arena match for the WWF title here in the World Wrestling Federation. But more than that, you're watching action adventure. That's what the WWF is. Soap opera. It's Roadrunner. Elements of one life to live. It's like Hollywood and Broadway and all points in between. There is nothing quite like the World Wrestling Federation on television. They're the number one ranked television show in all of cable television. How about a kick in the ass? And it appears as though mankind got some sauce in his eye. It's mild, you dog!